Hey there, and uh, welcome to We Been Had, a um, show where we discuss uh, or debate. Um, I just, I'm going to put it in. This is like take four of starting this show because uh, the, we're having software problems that keep turning us into Max Headroom. So uh, I'm going to break into laughter occasionally, and, and that's why. Um, anyway, yes, I am Keith Pilly. And I'm Chad Cook. Um, we established in a previous take that um, <laughs> Chad will not be known as rank, um, despite you know. Yeah, your, your sugge- best your best efforts. Yeah, suggestions from the other side. Um, anyway, the, d- the deal with the show is that we take turns picking an album, and we both dig into it. This time around, it was your pick, and I picked Exodus by Bob Marley and the Wailers. I had trouble not singing the theme song when you that said that. that is hard to do, but um, you know, and I apologize because we did kind of do this in another take. But you know, I I just it, this album is fascinating to me because it's a really good album, but most people's introduction to Bob Marley is the greatest hits yes compendium legend, which. I don't even think I don't I don't know that that is a terrible thing. But I think, like, the context in which they're listening to the greatest hits is, like, the bigger... Probably. And, I mean, I think part of it is, and this is going to make no sense to anyone under 40, but but there used to be these, like, Columbia House and BMG (laughs) record clubs that you could sign up for, and they would, you know, they would give you this, uh, you'd give you this catalog, and you would order CDs, and... It seemed like everyone in the 90s had a copy of Bob Marley Legend. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I I, I think we'll just, we'll be saying over and over um, that everyone who, everyone had it, I don't think 99% of the people who had it got it. Um, yeah, it, I mean, the, it just is not, not something that, that my, you know, 18-year-old brain was ready to to think about very much the same um i uh let's see so yeah i wanted to throw down the uh the tombstone the tombstone info for the record it was uh released in 1977 on island records um which i think is pretty wild like it was a big thing for me to realize like oh island records is island because the island is jamaica Uh uh-huh um, uh, the version, I don't know about you, the version I was listening to was reissued by Tough Gong, yeah. which is the best fucking name for a label. I believe that Bob Marley's nickname was Tough Gong. That is so rad. Tough Gong. Um, recorded in the Harry J studio in Kingston and in Island's facilities in London. I think my read is that most of it was in London. Um, you know, they probably brought some rhythm tracks over was produced by the band. Um, I had a, I have a note here to ask you why you picked this one, but you've already described that. Yeah, and I just I, I think it's interesting to, to kind of put our life experiences on trial. We kind of yeah. did that with singles. Uh, to great effect, I think. And I think this is just another example of, of kind of something that that was just ubiquitous when we were yeah. in college. Beyond like it was, ubiquitous. I, it was, I mean, it was like there were like five albums that everyone had, and this was one of them. Yeah. Not, this was not one of them. Legend. Legend was one, was one of them. So our friend Joel was hardcore um, and had like this 
Marley boxed set um, that you know it was it was like one of the like huge box sets of the 90s and so it was like six discs and it had this big tough gong label on the on the front so that that's where I like learned like I love tough gong uh, just as a, as as a phrase um, but you know I, I just I, I feel like it's very in character for him that like you know everyone else has everyone else has legend and he's got the, he's like, the deeper dive guy yeah, yeah it's the, that would be another fun thing is trying to understand this trying to explain a cd box set to someone who's under yeah. 20 yeah <laughs> it's, imagine the spotify this is playlist but <laughs> but you have to pay a lot of money for it and they always threw in some like totally worthless piece like like so, like a picture book or something yeah. that had like 20 photos that the, you never looked at. I remember the Zeppelin box set had a, an essay by Kurt Loder in it. That's noted essayist, <laughs> Kurt Loder. Man, he's an important thinker. Uh, I uh, so before we get into actually talking about the the music and the album, I, I just I, I did want to lay down a marker that. Uh, you know, if you actually talk about like the context of the album and and Rasta, there's 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 a lot of heavy shit, like around, you know, everything involved in this record really, and like it's uh, it's a lot of stuff that, like I have some book knowledge of, uh, but I know that it's completely incomplete and you know and it's not direct lived experience. So I just I want to acknowledge up front that like. I'm going to stumble around um, and, you know, I'm coming at this from this position of, like, very tinily filled ignorance and I'm trying in good faith to fill in the gaps, but, uh, you know, like, if I say, if someone's listening and I say something stupid about Rastafarianism, please know I'm trying to learn more about it um, and I acknowledge that I'm an idiot. No, I think I think that's important. Neither of us are are a religious scholars or b experts on Jamaican history, so right. a, a lot of this is going to be speculation. Yeah, and you know, I like I. Okay, uh, <laughs> we are the software shit the bed right there and cut out. Um, we're starting back up. There's the, the the mood the computer seems to be in. There's just no listening to this that you're going to be listening to something Frankenstein together from a lot of stops and starts um, think of it as uh, like Lee Scratch Perry yeah. doing a podcast <laughs> it's, just, it's, you know, it's, it's a dub podcast um, okay well so you know after the uh, after the acknowledgement uh, I want, want to just talk about like the context of the album a little bit yeah, I mean, I, I guess I I was struck by just, like, what, you know, like, the original three people who were in the Whalers. Right? Yeah. You got Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, and Bunny Whaler. Yeah. Bob Marley died very early uh, from cancer. And right before this album, he survived an assassination attempt. Yeah. Um, which is one of the reasons he went to London to record this. Yeah. And uh, Peter Tosh was shot in a burglary and extortion attempt in his home when he was 42. Uh, Bunny Whaler made it to 73, yeah. so I mean, good run. Yeah. But it's just crazy to me that, that there's that much, you know, just like internal drama in this, you know, of these three original members. Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of, 
I, I think that's emblematic a little bit. Like, you know, I, I think the Jamaica, it sounds like, is kind of a tough place to live, or at least was, you know, for, for reasons that I'm sure we'll get to. Um, you know, and I think that's part of why reggae is what it is, you know, is like this series of messages telling people how to live in, you know, just a difficult space and like how to stay sane in a difficult space. And, you know, like, like, I think it kind of like, it does kind of make sense that it comes back around to, you know, people talking about difficult situations, then experience difficult situations. That's. Yeah. It just is. It, it, it just seems either incredibly unlucky or, uh, you know, kind of just sort of proof that, these were very difficult times. Yeah, yeah. At, uh, and so my understanding that you know, zeroing it back down to the to the uh, bleh, zeroing it back down to the album. My understanding is that so this is the tenth album with the Whalers, but you know, Tosh and and Whaler had left a long time ago. Right. And so it's kind of a ship of Theseus thing. Um, you know, but I think like the, the what's basically going on doesn't change. Um, you know, I, I I know the the thrust of the music stays what it is, but um, yeah, and I, I I think one of the things that at least I was impressed with that I know I didn't pick up on when I was a teenager was just sort of the quality of the musicianship. Yeah, these guys can really fucking play. Like just the like the. The guitar playing, the the percussion is just it's right in sync. Yeah, the the, the rhythm work, like the you know, the percussion and the bass, like I, I I feel like being a good reggae bassist is like like that's the hardest arena to excel in there. Yeah, interestingly, a guy that I went to college with uh, is now like a reggae bass player in the Des Moines metro area. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Is he any good? I have no I have no idea. I've never seen him perform. <laughs> uh, with the uh, so with the the you know, if this this is recorded in London like after Marley escaped to, you know, escaped an assassination attempt. There's a book I read a few years ago um, that's it's it's a novel, but it's kind of about that, and that, that like that's where I get whatever sense I've got of like what it was like to live in Jamaica in the seventies. Um, it, it's called A Brief History of Seven Killings. It's written by a guy who lives in the Twin Cities named Marlon James, who is <laughs> from Jamaica. Um, it's a really cool book. Yeah, it just um, it's really interesting. It's like it, Marley only appears on page. A handful of times and they just refer to him as the singer but uh i don't know it's just like it's this cool like window into like you know this post-colonial world where you know what whatever structure exists isn't that functional and you know like things look better on paper than they do in the real world and like really there's just kind of uh there's a lot of crime uh, which is funny because, like, you know, right now there's this weird perception out there that, like, Minneapolis is overrun by crime because people set off fireworks out of their cars. And, like, 
but like it's overrun by fireworks. Yeah. Uh, be mostly because they're available in Wisconsin. Yeah. The lawless state. But I mean, just like the 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 contrast between like you know American Midwestern like oh my God this is so lawless like versus like an actual state where you know like. Yeah, like if you're living in Mogadishu, yeah, uh, when it's controlled by warring warlord factions, like uh, Americans don't know what what lawless is, and Americans don't know what trouble is. I don't know. It, yeah, and I th- I think that's a, that's a good point. Like it just uh, you know that when colonialism breaks down or anything breaks down, it it sort of is a power vacuum that gets filled. Yeah. And sometimes that leads to that leads to just an even worse situation. Yeah, yeah. It's you know. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure Jamaicans are happy not to be officially a colony of England anymore. But uh, I, I don't think there's a country in the world that like came out of colonialism in the 20th century and like was like, well, that was easy. <laughs> you know, now, now, now everything's just going great. Everyone's given us a fair chance. Yeah, I don't know what the Hong Kong maybe yeah. would be your best bet, but yeah, yeah it's would, it's not a uh, it's just a difficult thing. Yeah, but I mean, one of the interesting things, just if we go back to sort of juxtaposing this album and Legend, is that this has the most songs on legend i think there are five tracks in this album that made it onto the greatest hits yeah but i think what you lose with legend and what i didn't realize i was missing as a kid is just the flow yeah Yeah, because it's got two really distinct halves yeah you know it's got the political half and then it's got the it's got kind of the let's live together and and form something yeah and I just yeah I've got you know I've got a note for later down that like I just I I love the like I love the philosophical implication of that then that like it's really important that I spend half my time telling you about the political situation and how to navigate it but it is equally important that I tell you how to live your life and you know like not you know be a complete human being and like that's that's really cool that's it is cool. I just I'm a little disappointed that my like teenage self, like it functionally was a Bobby McFerrin album to me, <laughs> right? Like, which by the way I googled and that was a ri- Bobby McFerrin uh, was originally the song uh, is called what the one Bobby McFerrin song that we all know. Don't worry, be happy. don't worry, be happy. It was originally part of the cocktail soundtrack. Good God. So. I feel like, I, I mean, I, I feel like that's essentially what people were listening to. Yeah. Is this oh, like this happy music that's yeah. that's got a good beat to it. Yeah. And just totally missing the point of the entire, you know, of the entire exercise. Yeah. Yeah. I um. So I wanted to talk just a little bit about reggae. You know, reggae as music. Album before. covers. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> there was a guy in grad school with me who, so I, I did grad school in art history. Um, there was a guy in my program who was obsessed with reggae album covers and tried to, like every seminar, he would make his seminar paper about reggae album covers. 
and it would he'd always it was just always he was he wasn't a great speaker um it was always just this guy like kind of flop sweating <laughs> he's like raunchy album covers with naked women on them. it's like groundhog day it's <laughs> like great another presentation about album covers oh uh, here we go there's uh, i recognize her oh yeah um no but you know just so reggae as a reggae as a genre there's like it's fascinating to me that like until pretty recently i just kind of hadn't gotten that far away from the like college sophomore listening to legend you know we're just like all reggae i'd be like yeah man i'm in a reggae mood but like it all you know like if the genre is foreign to you it all kind of sounds the same because your brain is like locked onto the ways that it's different Mm -hmm. and you know just you're just there perceiving like yep it's reggae sounding like reggae and like i don't know how you get past that beyond like listening to something a lot but like when you're in that mode you miss all the nuance you, you know you're missing like everything that makes it unique you know makes a given song unique and interesting yeah i mean i, I think you just have to be present for it like because yeah. i think any form of music if you listen to if somebody said hey give me the 10 seminal punk tracks that i need to listen to yeah for a lot of people those would all sound the same you know? totally yeah like I think that's same thing with blues or gospel or certain styles of jazz. Yeah. I think you just have to, and you know, we talk a lot about this, like not being a dick about, you know, classification of things. Yeah. But I think just, just sort of immersing yourself in it and understanding the differences, like being humble about what, you know, what you don't know. And like, yeah, for sure. Willing to, to learn it. I, for me, like what got me, I guess what got me out of the like freshman undergrad, you know, out of the undergrad in a dorm listening to Legend Track and into like, no, I'm actually going to try to engage with this music. Like, I, I hate to make everything about The Clash, but it was The Clash. Like, you know, when I got, when I had my like later in life Clash superfan blooming, like, you know, like, of course, like, if, if, you, if you listen to London Calling a lot, like, you're going to get curious about reggae and like, I, I don't know. Like it's just it's it's fascinating to me, coming into reggae from punk. How just there's so many similarities, you know, just with the genres. You know, like London Calling's not a reggae album, but a lot of the songs kind of function the same. You know, I mean, obviously there are some reggae songs on it, but even looking at the punk songs. Like London Calling, the song kind of functions like the songs in the first half of uh, Exodus, you know, where it's like, here, I'm going to tell you about the troubles in the world and try to pump you up to to deal with them. Um, you know, I just, I, I think that's that definitely seems to be something that The Clash brought from reggae, like besides actually playing some reggae songs. Yeah, well, I mean, I know they were they were really into Jimmy Cliff, right? Yeah. And for me, Jimmy Cliff winds up being, like, if I'm just sitting around, I'm more likely to listen to some Jimmy Cliff songs than some Bob Marley songs, I think. And I don't know why that is. You know, I guess just preference. I mean, I think part of it is just the, it is just sort of the, you know, everybody wants to be an insider, right? And yeah. Like, if you polled Americans, if they could name one reggae singer, it's probably Bob Marley. Yeah. Not me, man. I'm refined. You're, 
<laughs> Deep cuts. Yeah. No, but, you know, it's so like another thing, like, we're just talking about other people doing reggae then. I think, like, after kind of understanding how reggae as music works, like, I understand why so many people hate the police, you know, the band, not the institution, although the institution <laughs> also. Um, but, you know, like, like the police claim to be playing reggae, but it's so just, like, brutal and mechanical and... You know, and whereas like this album is like really organic and flowing, and yeah, I, I think I, that, I, I mean the police may think they're trying to play reggae, but yeah. I I feel like the police are trying to do like they're trying to do some blend of punk and new wave, and right. I think that's what turns people off. Right. They, you know, but I mean they they have an album. One of their albums is kind of uh, the album Regatta de Blanc. Like that title is like made up. You know, a made-up synonym for white reggae. <laughs> I don't know. The police. Uh, screw them. Anyway. Great um, great actors, all of them. <laughs> I will kill you. Uh, two other just blah, general reggae musical notes I wanted to put out. Um, I didn't realize until, until I was like grappling with this record, I didn't realize how keyboard forward yeah. Bob Marley is. Like, that's... It's yeah. and it's sometimes it sounds like almost uh, like I don't know like childish uh, the keyboard part that's playing beforehand, but yeah, it somehow it works when they when they meld it all together. Yeah, I, you know, yeah, I think like simplicity and repetition can work really well. They can be really good things. Um, no, yeah, and I think we'll hit that a lot. Also, I love that the standard reggae guitar part is called a skank. Yeah. Fucking A, right? It's, uh, and there is some, like, legitimately, like, I, I know I didn't pick that up. Like, there is some really good guitar work on some of these songs. Yeah. Yeah, even the, like, simple skanks. Like, I think when I was younger, I totally condescended to that. You know, just like, oh, wow, you're, you're hitting a note. But, like, as far as contributing a texture, it's great. And then, you know, like... To have that established as the baseline and then tear off into these weird solos, like that's that's well that's how it's done. Yeah, and I think before we dive in, um, I read a really good quote from Bob Marley's daughter about the album. Okay, um, and she says that Exodus is not really an angry record; it's really a cry about every kind of situation that he's gone through. Huh. That's that that is interesting. That that absolutely makes sense. Yeah, I just thought that was that was good context. And, yeah, of kind of, you know, what's you know, what's going on. Yeah, I I also like kind of on the same track of what's going on. I had I had a bunch of contextual thoughts just about Rasta that kind of ends up being you know about the album and and what's happening on it. Um, you know, I I guess I. I I do have a Rastafarian neighbor who I talk to occasionally, but uh, you know, and he'll he'll tell me about Rasta, but it's only in the context of telling me I should be growing my own vegetables, <laughs> and you know, which I think is I, I think that is part of Rasta. Um, no, but so like I have this you know very incomplete understanding where it seems to me like Rasta is Christianity, you know, like. Christianity was used as a template for this entirely new set of metaphors built around 
the oppression that you experienced uh, or that they experienced under slavery and you know and its aftermath um you know i like i think they focus a lot on the book of exodus which you know okay there that is um you know with the enslaved israelites standing in for enslaved jamaicans and there's even a song uh, by a dude named desmond decker that's just called israelites that really spells that out um but you know i think that this is kind of under the like a lot of the language in this album like makes sense that way then like it's, it's you know that's what's going on is there's these old testament metaphors are you know, being used to describe really, really shitty, terrible things that happened in a more modern setting. And, like, it doesn't say anything good about humanity that, like, you know, <laughs> you can just pick one situation of an ensla- an entire people enslaved and be like, well, you know, this, that describes this, too. That, that ain't good. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's just shitty all the way around. Yeah. So I mean, my my understanding is the the Exodus in question with the record. Well, you know what? Actually, I'll save that till we get to the song. Yeah, Exodus. Exodus. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm, I've been jabbering a lot about Rasta. Do you have any thoughts about Rasta? <laughs> I don't have any thoughts about Rasta specifically. I, I do feel like you know, to American undergrads, Rasta is the religion where you smoke a lot of weed, Ben. And, like, that's... I think that's, like, the central crime of this, is that, like, you know, there's this pretty interesting religious practice that has, like, a lot of context around it, and it gets turned into, like, yeah, man, 420. Well, that... And that's sort of a thing with Bob Marley, right? Is yeah. that, like, when you people were in college, they had the big Bob Marley poster... Yeah. Posters in their... Room. It was pretty much just like a flag that said, "Hey, I smoke pot." Yeah. And you know, I just, I, I feel like it's just, it's sad to me that like that's what he gets associated with. Yeah. Not like, yes. You know, not like this awesome musicianship and these deep cutting social commentaries. Yeah. You know, he gets essentially labeled He's labeled the as, as the weed guy. Yeah. Right? Like it is, you know, and even. I had thought that maybe like that was a thing of the past, but uh, if you notice that Spotify has this thing now, like the the iPhone client has this thing now, where for a lot of songs, if you're playing them on your phone, it'll like pop up a video and try and show you a video. Yeah. And fucking, you put this record on the the first song. The video it pops up is an animation of a guy rolling a joint. I'm like, you know, like. So, and, and I'm sure I've said this before, but my contention is that all videos should just be concert footage because I, that's what I want to see. Like, yeah. I mean, there are a few, like the Beastie Boys uh, sabotage video. Yeah. Like, that. that's pretty cool. There are a handful of them that are, are memorable to me, but like at this point, point in the evolution where the video is not a particularly useful marketing tool yeah concert footage yeah well, i mean there's I, the spot i think is stupid because there, there are no situations where i wanted to sit and look at my phone and see animation of a guy rolling a joint when i'm listening to the, you know but if they insist on having animation like do you have to go straight to the joint like immediately like, yeah is that, no it is just is right? I, I think a lot of people are missing the point yeah of, 
you know, kind of, you know, like you can have a, in this case, a, a, a number of really good sounding songs that are deeply emotional and personal and really complex. Uh. And, you know, you can smoke a bunch of pot and not think about any of that. Yeah. Which is, is not, I, I don't know. I just think it misses the mark. Like, yes. You know, like, I mean, clearly Bob Marley was, you know, was pro weed, but like, you can't erase everything around that. Like, that. Yeah, I don't, I mean, nobody refers to Van Halen as the Jack Daniels band. <laughs> right. Like, right. I, I just, I think sometimes it gets, and I mean, I think in his, and I, and I don't have an in depth knowledge or, or understanding of Rastafarianism, but I, I mean, I think his point is that you know, we need to find a way to all get along in this society, and this helps with that. Yeah, and yeah, I think I think you're right, and I I think it's, you know, I think there's a an element of like. This is one of the yeah. This is one of the the gifts of the earth, and you know it's there's some sacredness. You know, like, like it's not that it's like solemn and like you have to like make a big you know Catholic ceremony of it, but there's some sacredness to like I'm you know enjoying this this thing um, that you know is just it, it is different from like hey man we got an apple that we can turn into a bong right and then and you know watch kids in the hall or something yeah. like it just isn't you know like i don't know i, I don't want to shit on other people's spiritual experiences but yeah. you know i think i think the you know the in in this case the idea is that the the weed is a tool to help you get to on your journey to enlightenment yeah it's not you know like there's a number of other steps too like you have to address like what you're doing as a person yeah you know i don't i just don't i think people are just like oh that's it yeah uh, you know i just light a j and then i uh you know i got really high now i'm enlightened i write all this stuff down and, um, yeah it's no good oh well do you want to start talking individual songs yeah let's do it um is there a natural mystic coming there sure is and I guess I think this is one of the things you miss with Legend is these like these kind of tracks that that maybe aren't A level tracks, yeah, but are, are really good songs and fit in with the album. Yeah, I love the way this one fades in, kind of. So it, you know, it's like for me, it's like you're walking into a room where the band is already playing you know like you're walking into something that's in progress and like that's just that that's a cool like welcome into the record and it's you know it's kind of menacing but not like scary but you know it just it feel like you walk into this kind of heavy beat that's a really cool thing and i i don't know i just i feel like the song is both like at, at times it's uplifting at times it's you know, demoralizing. Yeah. Or it really, it just sort of captures a lot of emotion. Um, yeah. Sort of the roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. There's so like one of the things that like when I was doing my disclaimer earlier, I guess this is one of the things that I mean. That like I, I very sincerely love Jamaican English for the way that it's just you know like it's 
The same, it's the same language as American English, but it's just different enough that you hear, you know, like words are used differently and they're pronounced differently. And phrasing is strange in a way that like, you know, lets it strike you, you know, in a way that it doesn't if it's just, if, you know, if an American is trying to convey the same concept. And like, I just, for me, like that's one of the joys of this album is like the, the unusual to my ears way that Marley uses English. Um, you know, and like, I just, I love that. Like, I don't know what the fuck a natural mystic is, you know, like, like literally, um, I know that, you know, I, I, I can get some sense. I, I get like the, the general sense of foreboding. I, I, I know that you literally like, it cannot mean, what it would mean in English because that would make no sense here in American English. Um, I just I love that that you know it just there's like this element of foreignness to it, uh, you know. But or not foreignness, but element of difference. I guess does that make sense? Yeah, it's kind of like uh, it's. Have you ever heard the the Faces song Debris? Yeah, yeah. Right, like so. As an American, you read that as debris, mm-hmm. and you're like, what? You know, like what is going on here? Yeah. I left you on the debris. Yeah, yeah, and with that one, you're like, what the fuck? But you know, you you eventually puzzle it out. This one, like, I don't know, like, I mean, I, uh, it's just weird. Like, I, I know he's, or I think he's talking about some kind of heavy vibe shift coming in. Yeah, I think it's a change in the way people are thinking. Yeah. I don't necessarily know that it's ultimately bad. Um, yeah. You know, because it's, you know, there's a line that says there's a natural mystic blowing through the air. Can't keep them down. If you listen carefully, now you will hear. Uh. Um, you know, there's another piece that those like, you know, that talks, <laughs> that talks about, you know, this might be the first trumpet, might as well be the last, which <laughs> sort of feels like a, it feels like a downer. Yeah, but, and, but, and there you're straight into the Bible, like you know. Yeah, right. I just I feel like it's uh, I don't know. I feel like it's a movement. This the natural mystic is like a. I buy that. Um, but yeah, totally, totally guessing. Yeah, and that's you know I I feel like that's we were talking about like you got to have humility when you're coming at you know different music there's this thing where like a lot of this uh, especially on the 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 political half of the record here like i think so much of it is aimed at specific things happening you know in jamaica and in his life in the mid to late 70s that are you know like a lot of the fine detail of the context probably never would have been accessible to us just because you know we're not from there um you know but now we've also got 50 years of separation so there's yeah there's this part where you've got to just be like well you know meaning the meaning is kind of a black box and i'm just gonna get what i can get i don't know yeah and i mean that's part of the fun of it for me is trying to like puzzle out what's what's going on and what the you know like i i just i enjoy that and at the end of the day, like I think sometimes you may take something different than what the artist intended. Right. That's where I, yeah, 
I think that's where art exists really is you know where the the listener or the viewer or the reader interacts with the thing like that art is actually the that interaction and you know it might have some meaning that was totally never intended yeah no I think it's uh, I think this is a good point I mean speaking of sort of heavy political the next track yeah has got some uh it's just got some really some really heavy political uh direct call outs and also as you were talking about earlier uses the phrase jessus christ i love that, that i is, love it too that like it's so yeah that, that's like exhibit b for like i just i love the way he approaches language it's uh yeah no it's just a really it's it's really and the thing that i really liked is is you know it kind of starts with that spacey keyboard yeah um and then they have this awesome harmony between marley and the backup singers yeah and that's you know i i didn't realize until listening to this song that like i think that's a thing that you get a lot in reggae is like that the like weirdly stepped harmonics where you know, there, there'll be a woman harmonizing way the fuck higher than everyone else. Um, and like stereo pan way off to one side. And I don't know. It's it's different and it's great. Yeah, I will confess. I did have to Google who Paul Bogle was. Who Who is Paul Bogle? Paul, Paul Bogle was a Jamaican Baptist uh, deacon. He's... Uh, he was a he was the leader of a protest in 1865, um, which I mean totally totally un you know unheard of uh, terrible plan to march for justice and fair treatment for all people of Jamaica. I mean what a dick. <laughs> um, but after leading that rebellion, he was uh, he was captured uh, and then hung by the colonial jury so you know like a martyr to the uh yeah. a martyr to the cause but still you know the audacity to ask for fair treatment That's, how dare you and uh you know it, it, it's funny they i i will probably get way more into this when we get to exodus the song but uh it's funny to me how I remember being taught in high school that colonialism existed. You know, like, countries had colonies. It was a thing. America was a colony. Um, they, they tell you that, but they don't really go into how much it sucks to be in one of the colonies most of the times. Yeah, no, I mean, they, they there's, there's a lot of whitewashing that goes into that. Yeah. Of, of sort of the what it's like to be to be the colonizee yeah is uh, is not good not good um yeah guiltiness i guess i'm sorry did you have anything more on so much things no i i just i i really liked the or really like the juxtaposition of having you know this awesome harmony between between different people and then diving into this really meaty political discussion yeah yeah it's it's really well done really cool i i think i'm not 100 percent sure but isn't his wife one of the backup singers yeah could be i i i think that was at least a thing 
intermittently. I don't know for sure if it was on this record. I should have looked it up. I had I had time. <sighs> totally unprofessional. I know. Uh, I, I earn none of the money that we get for this. <laughs> um, <laughs> the nice thing is you can divide zero by as many people as you want. It's still zero. <laughs> exactly. Uh, guiltiness. I... More great use of language in yeah. guiltiness. Woe to the downpressers. <laughs> Look, that's that's I love that. They eat the bread of sadness. They eat the bread of sad tomorrows. I also like there are the big fish who always try to eat down the small fish. <laughs> like, uh, I think at different times in our lives we can all we can all kind of vibe with that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, with with I mean. So it really is like all these songs. Like I don't know the specifics of what he's describing, but you know, like I feel like there's some use in getting the vibe of it. You know, just understanding like if you were in Jamaica in 1977, you're hearing descriptions of things that will help you navigate what the fuck is going on. You know, and like like. I, I feel like it is, for a lot of reasons, very, very similar to being in America in 1990 and listening to Public Enemy, you know, and like, oh, okay, I get it, I see. Or, you know, just now, when you're you're talking about, like, challenges with wealth distribution, where, yeah. you know, for if you're a young person now, uh, you know, that decides to go to college, you're leaving with a bunch of debt and you're entering a housing market that's red hot. It's got to yeah. feel, you know, or even a rental market that's red hot. Like, right. it's just got to feel overwhelming. That, yeah. You know, you're you're trying to enter into this system in good faith and it feels like the system is, you know, telling you to go duck yourself. I don't think it's an accident that Rage Against the Machine <laughs> just recently reunited. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and, and we have this conversation a lot. Just Keith and I have this conversation a lot about uh, about just sort of the things that are sustainable and not sustainable. And it it just it feels that's what I get when I listen to this song. I feel yeah. like I feel like he's describing a climate that's unsustainable. Yes, that that I think that's the root of it, and I think that's yeah, like that's. You know, that's another thing that recurs over and over in human history. And I guess it's like it's good to have art that you can fall back on that will like at least make you feel like, well, you know, this isn't the first time this shit's happened. Yeah, it's, and I think we can all get on board with woe to the downpressers. Fucking a right. Uh-huh. Oh, um, no, and then that same that same vibe continues into the heathen. Um, just great fucking heavy sense of dread and doom on this one, and just a just a like a really good song, right? Yeah. Like it. I don't know. This was just rattling in around in my brain for days after listening to it. Just that, like you know, that kind of that like almost chant that's in yeah. the background. Yeah. Um, which is like almost used like a percussion instrument. Yeah. It's it's. Uh, and I, I, I know I said this earlier, but I feel like this is kind of the stuff you miss with Legend is sort of the glue tracks that keep yeah keep everything together. Absolutely. And the guitar solo on this song is just amazing. Great. And the same, it's got these like kind of 70s 
sci-fi keyboard stab like wow it's, it's like you hooked a keyboard up to a wawa pedal yeah, yeah which would not surprise me at all no it's funny like you know the exact conversation we were just having about how you know the, the world we're in now kind of feels uh suited more and more suited to to this music um you know I, that's I, I have that noted right here like yeah this is an album the first half of this album is for people who are being failed by a dysfunctional political system and you know yep 2022 <laughs> I, another thing i've got like i love the way marley delivers he who fights and runs away lives to fight another day like every you know, every time he says that i'm like i just i love the way he says it i love love it my only problem is that i associate that line with cobra commander <laughs> and that kind of yeah that's a dignity zapper yeah i mean wasn't uh wasn't wasn't the cobra base on a caribbean island oh fuck you're right i mean it's it's possible that there's some reggae influence there changes everything I don't know. Oh. Must have a very good power grid on that, <laughs> like that, like island that no one can find. Yeah. You know, it's uh, a lot of the logistics of Cobra don't, don't <laughs> add up. If you think about them too much. Um, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Well, I mean, Cobra Commander was was eventually exiled, right? So. I don't, you know, there's like... I'm trying to remember what the... There's a bunch, there's so many different continuities that, you know... It's like the multiverse. Yeah, exactly. Any story about Cobra Commander you choose to be true is true. (laughs) Anything else on the heathen? No, no, let's go to the first first of the legend tracks, Exodus. uh, Exodus, this this is a big track. This is... This yeah. is, oh, go ahead. You know, you know, go ahead. I was just gonna say, like, this is where you know, I, the Old Testament, um, you know, the Old Testament references and metaphors were all, you know, I mean, they're all over the place through here. Um, but the, you know, this is where they really, really come home. Um, you know, that's that's the song, and it's uh, you know, like it just it moves from subtext to text, and I. It, I just I, the song is this weird thing where like I think it's, it fucking rocks, but I also like, it can just get the uh, grad school part of my brain, keep it busy for hours. Yeah, I mean you probably weren't expecting a Red Sea reference. I. Well, I guess if you're talking about Exodus, you probably yeah. are expecting a Red Sea reference, but. I mean that, that so that's the thing like once, for for me, figuring out the the mapping of. Um, Jamaican slavery to Israelite slavery in Egypt, you know, like once, once that part of it clicked, like I just kind of I was like, oh, of course, of course, of course, of course, and uh, you know, yeah, I mean, like I think the so you know the biblical Exodus is Moses leaving the leading the Israelites out of Egypt. I'm. I believe the exodus that uh, Marley's talking about is a return to Africa. Um, you know, I think he was a... I think this is coded into Rasta, and I think it was also a personal belief of his, just really interested in Marcus Garvey's 
pan-African, you know, Africa return thing. Thing is a very dismissive word there. Uh, you know, just notion of like this is the motherland we're going to return to. Um, I mean, I think it's it's more than that though. I mean, it's it, it is the motherland, but it's you know like it, the part of it that I think we we need to acknowledge is that that these people were forcibly taken right from their homes, yes. and relocated. Yeah, it is a diaspora, and we want to return. You know that one thing I. The toughest thing I learned in grad school, I think, like just like inter- like emotionally, was I always had this sense. So, like the very first class I took was about um, art of Haiti, Cuba, and Brazil, and how the experience of slavery had like affected the art that came out of those countries. And so, like you know, right up front, we started talking about the experience of slavery in the Caribbean and like I had never thought about it at all like I just you know like I had this general sense of like oh yeah you know the African slave trade very bad bad thing um it had never occurred to me that there were like situational differences you know I just I thought everything was like the American South but you know like in in this class we're reading these books about the enslaved experience on Haiti and Cuba and it would have been exactly the same on Jamaica on these sugar plantations and it's just it's the worst fucking thing I've ever heard of you know like I mean as bad as everything I've heard about the American South was like this it's just it, it's fucking awful you know like people are worked to death within a couple of years you know like if you live five years on a sugar plantation you are beating the numbers and like how the fuck does that not just like leave generations of trauma on you know everything that comes out of that yeah i mean right. I, I think at some point that i mean that trauma is just is probably in the dna yeah i mean like like that's you know like i don't know just you know i, I feel like that's the the to me that is the key Shading that every sophomore stoner listening to this, listening to Legend in 1995 was was missing. You know that like this is music that is grappling with this legacy of this horrible fucking thing that happened to an entire people. Um, you know, and it's not. Yeah, just well, I've got bad news people. for you about the uh, the American upper middle class. <laughs> uh, that that entire thing was lost upon them. I think yeah. the only thing that that they remember is Exodus movement of the people. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Musically, I think uh, I think this is just a coincidence. I think it's like just you know probably people using the same type of keyboard. But the start of this sounds exactly like the opening of the live version of Life During Wartime on Stop Making Sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had never thought about that, but it, it does. It's the same like... Kind of staccato. Yeah. I don't know. Like I just I love... like This song has such a great fucking groove to it. Like, like aside from like the the heaviness of the message, like it's just... it's it, does fucking rock to listen to. Yeah, I mean, I think I think with uh, with Marley, you just you have to read the lyrics. Yeah, because you know, you like the musicianship is so good that you're not 
you know you're just not getting a you know like you could be distracted by just the just the musicianship and the and the music and, yeah. and kind of miss the the broader picture i how how god had he not died young like how much how emotionally difficult would it be for him to grapple with the way his music is received in america you know like that would be the biggest fucking bummer yeah i mean do you think it'd be worse than che guevara <laughs> i think it'd be the same category like you know it's like i spent my whole life being a revolutionary and that translated to americans as you know like i'm an upper middle class white college kid what can i what can i wear to be difficult i I want the t-shirt with the hot guy and then and then eventually guevara becomes a fucking taco bell commercial it uh I, i i imagine that would be difficult to grapple with yes i think so Oh, uh, anything else on Exodus? No. Should we uh, should we take a break Let's before side two? Yeah. Okay, we're back in um, and jamming. This is a great fucking song. It's impo- impossible not to get it stuck in your head. I, I was I've got the same note. Like it, I don't know what it is. Like it's it's so great on a subconscious level that it just like that's that's your brain for a week. The uh, I think my favorite part in this song is right after uh, they say Mount Zion and then they hit that guitar chord. Like, Mount Zion. Bow. Is that what there's I. Like the bridge? Mm-hmm. Okay, I have for years. So I, I I never look up lyrics. I'm I'm terrible. I, I go by my stupid ears, even though I, I get it wrong. I have always thought he was saying "Holy Messiah." But oh, it, like, it does it, sound like that. But I think it's "Holy Mount Zion." Okay. I. But then it hits that chord. Yeah. Right yeah, and that sounds. That sounds great. I'm just I'm, I'm sitting here like like you you've just like broken my understanding. <laughs> I don't think it fundamentally changes the song, right? Like, <laughs> holy Mount Zion, holy Messiah. Yeah. It's sort of the same concept. Yeah, right? I just I, I no. Because I, I mean, later he says, "Jah sitteth in Mount Zion and rules all creation." Right? Yeah. So, functionally the same as yeah. holy Messiah. Yeah. Huh. I'm just I'm I'm stunned though. <laughs> Um. Yeah, I so this is another one where like I feel like I I can't I could not like specifically say exactly what this song you know is specifically about, but I can very easily like uh, associate a vibe with it again. Um, there's there's just for me there's a lot of that on this record. Yeah, and I mean I think. I guess what I take from it is that you know you're they're they're using music to make a political statement, right? Yeah. Like the because the, the, there's this line that's no bullet can stop us now. We neither beg nor we won't bow. Yeah. Neither can be bought nor sold. Yeah. And so it's kind of like this. I, I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like this. You know, we're we're starting to hit our stride. Yeah. And that's another great delivery that neither can be bought nor yeah, sold. It just is. 
I don't know even how to describe it. It's it's like the delivery is like so minimalist that yeah. it just it just works for me. Yeah, I totally agree. So I had a really stupid experience with this song last week, um, where I was, you know, I had it in my head uh, from prepping for this, and I was fucking around with my guitar, and I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm gonna learn to play jamming, um, and so I, you know, I tried it, tried it by ear, and I wasn't getting anywhere, and I, I looked up a tab site, and you know, it's this the the main riff is this collection of weird seventh chords that, you know, I don't know, you're kind of clawing your hand around the 10th fret and putting fingers on and off. And, you know, like I, I could kind of get it, but it wasn't making a ton of sense to me. Um, and like, I, you know, I, I said out loud, like, well, what, what the fuck was he smoking when he wrote this? And, I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> and I realized like, that's the, the easiest easiest question I've ever asked myself. So I thought you were gonna you were gonna turn this into a discussion of the movie Log Jamming. <laughs> so shout out to the Big Lebowski. Uh, that's, that's a prime movie. I did you know the weird thing. This is embarrassing. I learned to love this song from a fucking Simpsons episode. Yeah. So Katie was talking about this today that there was like a crab that was. Uh, that was like dancing to this song. Yeah, I. I'm trying to remember the context. I just remember like the the Springfield PD was involved. <laughs> I don't. I I just I remember hearing this. And I was like, oh yeah, that's really good. It's such a good song. No, it's it's a great song. I mean, it's it's a great album. Um, yeah. You know, I I'll, I will save this for one of the the later tracks, but the. There are a couple songs that I, I think we could we could punch up a little bit. <laughs> uh, do you wanna do you wanna move forward? Yeah, yeah. Let's question? wait. Let's wait in vain. Waiting in vain. Okay. This is a this is an interesting song. I I like this song a lot. Um, for me, there this one I, this one to me feels like kind of a a space where my cultural coding kind of obliquely runs into Bob Marley's cultural coding in a way that like is really funny to me like I don't I, I don't know for sure what's going on even but to me like this feels like this nice wistful romantic song um, you know it's got like like the, the, the form and content are kind of matched it's like you know it's got this nice light sound and you know most of the lyrics are you know wistful and romantic then you get to the couplet where he's like, don't talk to me as if you think I'm dumb. I want to know when you're going to come. And like, just that would, you know, a wistful American romantic pop song would not have those lines in it. And like, I just, I love that. True. I love the also, I mean, rivals the Ramones for use of the word wanna. Yeah. The only other song I can think of, I guess, um, what the fuck was that? The Outcast song "Hey Ya" does have like kind of a similar line where it's, "Don't want to meet your mama, I just want to make you come a," <laughs> uh, and and you know, and that was all over radio <laughs> and like 
I, I do love that those those words don't even come close to rhyming. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> that's what you know. That's how you know you're dealing with a master when they make you think it rhymes. That's. But yeah, I mean, there's some great there's some great lines in here. Like, uh, so don't treat me like a puppet on a string. Yeah, yeah he knows how to do his thing. Yeah. I. Uh, <laughs> it's just like it. It. Uh, I don't know. I just I, I feel like it, it's better experience in this format than in, in Legend. Even though Definitely. this is on Legend as well, but you get you just get some breaks. You're not yeah. you're not trying to you know. I just I yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um I don't know do you consider you know, so if this album has like the political half and the personal half do you consider the break ha- that break to happen between Exodus and Jammin? Or between jamming and, and waiting in vain, uh, Exodus and jamming, I uh, think. That, but you could make the case that it's jamming and wait in vain yeah. too. I don't know. I guess you could go either way. Yeah, that, I, I think that's kind of where I come down. It could be either. I just I love like I. I, I <laughs> it's just it's so simple, but it's so good. Like yeah. like I don't wanna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna wait in. Just the timing of it really. Yeah, because it's just repeating the same thing over and over again. But it's like it the way that it's the way that it's delivered just just makes it for me. Yeah, I agree. I I love that. I don't know. I just I, I love it. I love this. I love this song. I love. Unless I'm missing a piece of context from the lyrics, which is quite possible. Um, I love that. You know, it's basically like this very nice, sweet song. That I guess is revealed to be a conversation while fucking. Like, yeah, that's just, yeah. That's, I, that that's 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 kind of a great worldview. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm in favor. Yeah, pro. Um, speaking of fucking, <laughs> turn your lights down low. Like I, not a fan. Yeah, I feel like this is a song that. The American dorm room experience has just kind of dragged down to place. You know, like to me, like I can't hear. Like this isn't fair at all, but I cannot hear this song without just it being like the skeeviest fucking guy in Independence Hall, like saying like this is his never miss makeout song. Right. So it's a little rapey. And. I guess the vibe I got from it was it, it's like it, it kind of reminds me of like like that like that Eric Clapton album Twenty Four Nights, you know, where it's just like <laughs> it's like all these terrible ballads and I don't know. I, I feel like if if Wonderful Tonight was like this is like his interpretation of Wonderful Tonight, man. Fucking Clapton, you know, like we should have when we were talking about reggae in general earlier. We, we should have dedicated some time to shitting on Eric Clapton, you know, for having like a big hit with uh, "I Shot the Sheriff." That terrible fucking version of "I Shot the Sheriff." Hot garbage is what that is. Did you hear that Clapton? So, <laughs> I honestly forgot that he was still alive. Okay, not only is he still alive, <laughs> he put out a new song at the end of last week. And uh, here, it's an emotional journey. So, new Clapton song, Boo, Fuck Him. 
but it's about how bad Boris Johnson was. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah that's... But Boris Johnson is bad because he encouraged people to get vaccinations. Jesus. <laughs> like, the fact that Bob Marley died young and Eric Clapton still walks among us. I I don't know. I, I wish after he left Cream they just like... She just like went away. I think the the ideal would have been or something. If one of the Almond brothers had just like killed him on the last <laughs> day of the Layla sessions, then like everything would have. Or George Harrison. <laughs> yeah. I mean that makes sense. Like right, you write this song about my wife. I'm gonna murder. Now I stab you. Mm. No, my other thing with turn your lights down low, like th- th- there's a digression here, but it, uh, you, you said you wanted to put our cultural selves on trial. Here's here's me. Um, I had this weird fucking thing about rap music you know, when I was younger, um, where I just in high school and into college, like I, you know, I had like the stupid Midwestern like rap, more like crap. And then I got, you know, became a young adult and, you know, loosened up a little. And so there was this point where I was a sensitive, young, national public radio listening man. And, you know, started thinking like, well, maybe, maybe I need to give this rap thing a try. And I just, I remember. This was before or after you tried to work for the CIA? This was well after. Well after. Uh, so uh, this was the, we probably knew each other at this point, or at least we were about to know each other. Um, there was I just there was this time when I was like driving around in driving around somewhere in the Twin Cities in my Saturn SL, um, listening to National Public Radio because like at that point I listened to NPR constantly, like like just. Um, and they had, you know, this terrible NPR music story on about, you know, exciting new developments in rap music. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a hot new rap album that NPR thinks <laughs> you need to know about that is rap artists um, doing their interpretations of Bob Marley songs. And, I mean, like... This is a real thing? This is a real thing. And, and, and I was, you know, in the frame of mind I was in back then, I was like... This is the way in. This is going to be some quality rap. This is this is the this is the deluxe door in. Uh, and so I went and got that record, and it fucking sucked. <laughs> it was terrible. And uh, so the reason I'm bringing this up now is turn your lights down low. I don't remember who did it, but I remember that was on there, and it was really bad. Even though NPR promised me it was really good. Yeah, that rarely works out. But that, like, you, 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 yeah. Your, I think your best bet is the like the sweet relief Victoria Williams. Yeah. Um, there's another one that's called Cinnamon Girl. That's female artist doing Neil Young songs. That's pretty good. I, that would have a lot of potential. Uh, but I mean, for the most part, it's just. Yeah. I don't know. It, 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 those type of tribute albums never work. Getting music recommendations from NPR <laughs> never works. That was, that was, I, I guess I, you know, I'll, once bitten, twice shy. There, like I never, never took their advice again. Yeah, I think that I think that's wise. Yeah, that that was that was a good life lesson. Um, 
Anything else on turning your lights no. on? No. No. Three little birds. Yeah. So honestly, I don't understand why this wasn't like. And I know I mentioned Bob McFerrin earlier, but like, like that song won a Grammy in yeah. 1989. Don't worry, be happy. Yeah. Like, why couldn't we have just played Three Little Birds? It's a better song. <laughs> a much better song. Better musicianship. And, you know, I feel like we would have gotten the same thing out of it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the I think the flaw in your argument there is that the Grammys are dog shit. And so, like, uh, the Grammys making a bad call is, like, axiomatic. Like, I, that's the system working. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let me correct the record. That song won Song of the Year, Record of the Year, and Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. Yeah. Yeah. Three. Three Grammys. <laughs> Don't worry. Be happy. Uh, Three Little Birds, though, is so fucking good. Oh, it's fantastic. I love this song. But, I mean, it's, in terms intros. of vibe, though, like, that's what you're going for, right? Yeah. Like, like I, I don't know. I just, it's so much of a better song. Like, I agree. You know, like it, it's, it's just we could have just played that again and got that into people's consciousness in yeah. the late eighties. Yeah, it's weird to me that this isn't a more. You know, I, I think like this isn't. It's not like this is a forgotten song, but it's not one of the like major canonical Bob Marley songs that everybody knows, and that surprises me. Because it's it's, it's that is so strange. Um, yeah, I think part of the challenge you have is you know, Marley had Marley had a lot of good output, even though he died died so young. Yeah. That it's hard to it's kind of hard to just the way music is consumed. Yeah, it's it was going to overflow the boundaries no matter what. Oh, I I love the keyboard intro to this. I you know. There's the repeated line about this is a message to you and I that to me that's interesting because like there's you know I, I don't know a ton about the development of reggae but I know it grew up out of you know there's like this intermediary period between ska and reggae and there was like this a ton of uh, songs that are, that are explicitly like this is a message and so you know that you know, like a message to you Rudy is a remake of yeah, message in a bottle. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like, that's... I hadn't thought of that until you said that, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's Sting, like, thinking that he's being part of some lineage. I, I guarantee that that's what he was... Man. <sighs> Sting. I mean, yeah, nobody, nobody talks about the drummer as, like, you know, like... It's like he's never nobody calls him an asshole. Yeah, people call him that. <laughs> yes. Andy Summers? Does anybody ever call Andy Summers an I've asshole? I've never heard anyone call Andy Summers an asshole. I think he's supposed to be a, a reasonably nice guy. Uh yeah, I don't know. Three little birds. Like I feel bad about not having more to say about it, but it just it's it's a fucking perfect song that's like perfect in its lightness. And so like there's yeah, no, it's fantastic. So this is this is an aside, but uh, uh, my wife and I were in New York City last weekend, and we were at uh, MoMA, huh. and they've got a lot of Picasso art, and all I could think about was that Jonathan Richmond song that Pablo Picasso was never called an asshole. Yeah. 
like to the point where I was I, I was like seconds away from singing it. Like, <laughs> never called an asshole. Public I had a weird so I had a weird music thing happen at MoMA too that is actually like kind of kind of germane to this album. So like in uh Oh, what the fuck's it? In, in the Guns of Brixton. You know how there's the, the line, uh, what is it? You know there is no mercy. They caught him with a gun. No need for the Black Mariah. Goodbye to the Brixton sun. Mm-hmm. Um, I had never known what the fuck he was talking about there. You know, and like it didn't matter. Like it's a great song. Yeah. Um, we were at MoMA. The first time I was at MoMA, we were on one of the floors and there was some photography exhibit. And, you know, it was like a bunch of pictures of, I don't even know where, but urban pictures from the 50s. And there was a bunch of pictures of cops. And so there was a picture of people being loaded into a police van. And the, the label said, like, you know, suspects being loaded into Black Maria. Oh. And, and I was like, oh, oh. And so, like, like to me, like... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, the Clash's best reggae song is always tied to MoMA because that's where I learned like what the fuck Paul Simon and was talking about. Perhaps, right? perhaps their best song. I yeah, I mean, arguably, pretty fucking great one. Yeah. If you are going to be a non-Jamaican white person making reggae, like it, you you have to be the Clash to make it work. Yeah. But, uh, um. Yeah, I don't know. We're pretty far afield. Yeah, so sorry, that's my uh, fault. No, I, I was I was just waiting for the chance to run away. Uh, one love, people get ready. Got anything? Yeah, I mean, I I did listen to the the impressions, uh, the Curtis Mayfield version. Yeah, and you know, it's similar. It's not. I mean, it, it, it's not similar. It's some of the words are the same, and the music is similar. But the song that comes out of it is totally different. Yeah, it's kind of a, a an object lesson in like how similar ingredients can add up to something completely different. Yeah, it's uh, and it is it is a good, both of the songs are good are really good. Yeah, uh, they're just t- totally different. Yeah, it is uh, I I think which is why you know they you know like originally didn't even credit. The impressions, yeah. Um, because it's you wouldn't know that unless you, you know, unless you did some serious digging. Yeah. I good. also read that there was this weird clause where like they didn't, they like didn't enforce uh, like copyright infringement in Jamaica. Yeah, that was a big. I. My understanding is that like, that was a big thing just in the in the development of reggae that like, the same tapes of of drum and bass tracks would just be like passed around and like new shit would be taped over it and so you've you know that like and that was kind of how reggae went through its growth phase was because you know there was no copyright law to stop people from reusing the same rhythm parts and so like all these songs i guess that's part of why a lot of it sounds the same because it is the same core you know and there's nothing stopping that from happening and I just I think that's fucking fascinating. Yeah, it's it's really it's an interesting way to to go. I mean, it, it, 
it's probably not the ideal situation because uh, a lot of people are going to get squeezed under that yeah, model. But it's a, it's a good way not to make a living. In this, in the, it did drive a lot of, I think, innovation. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. I for me, one love is this thing where like I can't have fresh feelings about it because this is another one that is just so like. I so I I always experience it stripped of context where you know I just it's a TV commercial with the one love and like a picture of Bob Marley and it's so generic and so like you know everything that was real about the human being is stripped away has been stripped away by marketing and like I can't get back to that and it's yeah I have a slightly pettier reason for not liking it one, when I was in high school, one of the bigger, like, asshole bullies uh, showed up to school one day with a shirt that said, One Love. Uh-huh. And I'm like, are you just missing the entire, <laughs> like, like, does that, like, did you not do any research? Like, somebody just gave you the shirt? What happened? It's a like, totally great fucking song you listen to when you're smoking weed, right. man. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe just through the the vibe of the song as you're you know torturing other students well i think you know there's like i i hate i hate that that the the title of this song gets reduced to a two-word slogan for bob marley too because like the first half of this album is you know is revolutionary like it's yeah, it is literally a fighting album, you know. There's there's like songs that are there to like give you strength and sucker when you are like taking risks and actively fighting a system. Yeah, it's like a um, change is gonna come. Yeah, and you know, like like saying you know talking about unity is contextually very different when you acknowledge that that is part of the overall message than it is if you're just saying one love man yeah we're all you know like there are very different flavors of one love I guess yeah I just I I don't and this is part just a me thing like I have trouble with people that can't you know people that are you know will wear a Know, a Jesus loves you shirt, and then are just horrible people. Like, so what you're telling me is you're not a Republican, <laughs> correct? <laughs> so I, I mean, it just to me, it's like, okay, do you not like how do you how do you reconcile this in your brain? Like, what's the what's the gymnastics or calculus you use to to get from A to B? Most people think they are doing the right thing at all times. It's terrible. Um. Uh, the one last uh, the one last note I've got for this song this is a stupid note but I enjoy that he says Armageddon in here for Armageddon yeah I'd like that too always happy to see that pop up that's all I've got on this song do you have anything else I don't do you want to talk about our next record well uh, first I wanted to just hit you a couple of things here Um, do you you have a favorite song from this album yeah i mean i have a number of of songs that i really like i think my favorite song though uh is not turn your light down low (laughs) 
the hell you say? Uh, I think I'm going to go with Jammin'. Jammin' is my, like, how do you... Any song that, like, just rewires your brain is doing something right. Yeah. I mean, it's... I just think it's such a missed opportunity for people of our generation to, like, consume this as an album um, and not just stop it at the Greatest Hits album. Absolutely. Yeah, and that's... So, yeah, I was going to ask, like, your verdict on the album. and I, I no, that's like great. That was, I think it's a great it. album. I just think it's... It's unfortunate that, you know, I think a lot of people probably have never heard it. Yeah. Uh, they've heard the five tracks that are on Legend, but... Yeah, no. I, the beauty is, it's very easy to experience it as a whole now. Yeah, not that it was ever hard, but it's it's never been easier. <sighs> okay, then though, if you want to talk about next, <laughs> yeah, which so, police album are we doing? Well, <laughs> you're not as far away as you think. Um, right label. Um, we've been friends for twenty years, over twenty years. Yeah. We've talked about music a lot during that time. But there is this thing where, like, I don't know how this has happened, but I don't think you have ever had to stare into the face of how fucking insane about R.E.M. I can get. Oh, boy. So <laughs> that's going to change, Rank. We're doing Monster, right? We're, we're, <laughs> I think Monster's a pretty good record. Um, but we're going to do Life's Rich Pageant. Life's Rich Pageant. Which is a... Well, I'm not going to say that. It, 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 it's an album. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. This There may be some more debate in, in this one, then. Uh, I, I didn't need it tonight. Just no. Is there just Blade coming up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If the debate gets too heated. It's a pocket knife. I'm armed at Keith all times. Keith is brandishing a weapon. Oh, yeah, so Life Search Pageant, uh, I'll be back for that. Yeah, LRP. Um, uh, in the meantime, that is it for Exodus. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening to us. I am Keith Pilly. You can find me on Twitter, at Keith Pilly. Um, and I'm Chad Cook, and you can find me on Twitter, at Cook6252. We would love to hear from you if there's anything you like or didn't like. Um, if you are pissed that we you know poo-pooed your favorite makeout song with turn your lights down low um if that's your favorite song on this album <laughs> i think you should reevaluate your life priorities like, <laughs> you know uh, that's well, a cry for help <laughs> i i should have if i were professional at all i would have said this up front i recently started a uh, a Substack newsletter about music um called pilly's boutique um if you just Google P-I-L-L-E apostrophe S boutique, you'll find it. Sign up. Um, get more of this great stuff. That's right. More content. <laughs> um, also, if you dug the show, please tell people about it. Uh, go to wherever you found the show and leave a review to help the algorithms point people to us. Um, thanks. We'll be back sooner with the next one. I, I think that's accurate. I got a puppy that slowed this down, but... Not getting another puppy. <laughs> One puppy. One puppy. One puppy.